and sisters, yes, today is Halloween. And on this All Hallows Eve, we commence All Hallowtide, the holy three days in the fall where we recognize the beauty of the church triumphant in heaven, the role and the powerful influence of the saints. We're summoned to seek their intercession, these allies who bring us closer to Jesus. And this All Hallow Tide concludes with All Souls Day, highlighting our role to pray for all our faithful departed, all the souls in purgatory, these loved ones preparing to be welcomed into their heavenly homeland. All Hallow Tide is for sure a prayerful time, and as we know, it is a festive time. Friends, out in Mission, B.C. at Westminster Abbey, there's a long-standing tradition at the Seminary of Christ the King up there to celebrate an All Saints party on Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. Seminarians and even some monks dressing up as saintly figures and partaking in a, all sorts of fun and games. And I'd like to just share with you a story about one of these Seminary All Saints parties. One that took place about 10 years ago. At the time when I was there, I was a member of our entertainment committee at the seminary. And so uh, our committee was in charge of the, the festive program for the evening of All Saints. And so after dinner, we all got in our, our costumes as a saint or biblical figure and headed to the gym. And during the evening, there was one very special contest that we invented that year. We had crafted a game called Rise, Lazarus, Rise. It was called Rise, Lazarus, Rise. And this is how the game went. We had three teams on our elevated gym stage, and each team designated one of their team members to be a Lazarus. Your Lazarus is first blindfolded very well. He cannot see. And then your Lazarus instructed to put his arms down by his sides. And then your Lazarus is spun around quite quickly as two whole rolls of toilet paper encircle his head, torso, arms, and legs of your Lazarus. In essence, your Lazarus becomes mummified in toilet paper. Now, this is serious stuff, brothers and sisters. So then, now, your very dizzy Lazarus, after being spun around so many times, is lifted up by the shoulders and by the feet by two of his teammates. And then your Lazarus is swung and then thrown horizontally from the gym stage onto the very large high-jump mat located beneath on the gym floor. And so then what happens? Well... The blindfolded, disoriented, and still very dizzy Lazarus rolls off the high jump mat, breaks free of the cocoon of toilet paper, freeing his arms and legs. And after this, your Lazarus is handed a donkey's tail. Yes, he's handed a donkey's tail. The contest now transitions into a game of pin the tail on the donkey. And the image of the donkey is located somewhere on one of the gym walls. And since your Lazarus cannot see, he must be guided by the voices of his teammates to find the donkey. 
The teammates must remain on the stage, so they got to be loud, and members of the opposing teams can misdirect your Lazarus. So it's quite chaotic and quite humorous. And I'll never forget this. That year, one of the Lazaruses who was chosen was none other than my very good friend, Father Juan Luca. He's now studying in Rome, and this was way before he was ordained a priest. And Father Juan Luca was his team's Lazarus. And there he is. He, he's covered, mummified, rolls off the high jump mat, very disoriented, breaks free the toilet paper, but it's still kind of covering his arms and, and legs. And his, his teammates now are trying to instruct him. They're yelling at him, saying, Juan, okay, get to the wall. Turn right, walk straight ahead, and just reach the wall. So there's Father Juan zigzagging, and he's eventually reaching the wall. And now, now he's in business, because now he just has to follow the wall. And so his teammates tell him to go fast. Keep your hand on the wall. Picture of the donkey is 60 feet in front of you. And Father Juan, he just takes off running, not jogging, running, blindfolded, running very fast. And, and no one's telling him to slow down. And he doesn't realize that he'll eventually reach the corner of the building. And brothers and sisters, I have never seen a human being run so fast into a wall. It was a thunderous impact. And I've never heard a group of individuals laugh so hard at another person's misfortune than at the seminary community that night. It was incredible. But it wasn't ridicule. It was, it was just a funny sight. And Father Juan, it was like nothing happened. He crashed into the wall, flew down on the floor, and immediately, immediately bounced, jumped right back up with the donkey tail in his hand and with a sixth sense, accurately pinned the tail on the donkey. And everyone cheered while still laughing very hard. And Father Juan was this victorious, blindfolded Lazarus with a big bump on his head. His, his performance gave so many people a lot of joy and laughter. And Father Juan's humility and his love for the community and our love for him really shone forth. And yes, we know it's it's good to laugh sometimes, right? It's a, it's a lot of the time it's very good to be serious. Other times it's good to laugh and be a little silly. And I would say all the time it's good to love. It's good to love. It's good to just get over ourselves and give of ourselves for the good of others. I would say we're hardwired for it. It's in our very nature to love. And, but so many times we don't. Friends, in our Liturgy of the Word for today, we have this beautiful, uh, simplified essence of, of what we do as Christians. Jesus, as he's pronouncing and repeating from the book of Deuteronomy, just love of God, love of neighbor, love of God, love of neighbor, always in that order, and recognizing that they both interrelate. The more we love God, truly giving of ourselves to him, being open to what he's offering us, the more we willingly turn and face our God who is love, the more we'll be drawn in to lovingly engage with our brothers and sisters. And the more we love our neighbors, yes, even those who may ruffle our feathers, the more we love our neighbors, including those sitting around us 
in the pews today? Well, the more we glorify God. So Jesus, echoing what we heard in our first reading today from the book of Deuteronomy, Jesus in our gospel, he details quite simply the first commandment that grounds our whole moral system as human beings. Hear, O Israel, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then the second is this, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There is no other commandment greater than these, says Jesus. In fact, these commandments, they are the very framework inside of which dwells every aspect of upright moral living. And how do we live? How do we live so as to really flourish as human beings on this earthly pilgrimage? <laughs> love of God, love of neighbor. And when Jesus is speaking about love, he's not describing some kind of warm, romantic feelings. He's not describing a two-dimensional, hallmark card type of sentiment. And he's not describing any kind of fleeting affection. No, love in the biblical sense, in the truest sense, is about that radical self-gift, the give of ourselves, just like our Lord gave of himself, totally, going the distance, not talking the talk, but walking the walk of love willing that good of the other, and then doing something about it. And what Jesus is describing in this passage, what he's describing is that act of the will, the act of the will and that disposition that is anything but self-interested. In other words, totally other-centered charity, not using but giving, not for me but for the other. Why? Well, because it's right. It's true, it's good, it's beautiful, it's divinely commanded. And when this is really lived out, when that art of loving well is really lived out, we know it's arresting, it's inspiring, it's motivating. And friends, this month of November that's just around the corner, one most appropriate way of applying, of offering this superabundant love that we've been given to share, a group of people that we are highly encouraged to direct our love and attention to is all the holy souls in purgatory, all our faithful departed, who in this period of preparation and purification are waiting to be welcomed into their heavenly homeland. They need our prayers, and we need them to get to heaven so that they can start interceding for us as saints in heaven. And so, brothers and sisters, as we now transition into the liturgy of the Eucharist. And as we journey through this often dark, wet, cold, and glorious month of November, let us keep these brothers and sisters of ours in the forefront of our minds. We give thanks to God for the lives and the blessed impact of our faithful departed. And living in Jesus, you know, we offer our sacrifices and prayers and works of love so that they, just like us, God willing, so that they may reach the heights of heaven. Our Lady of Perpetual Help, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. All saints in heaven, pray for us. And may the souls of all faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. 
Amen.